0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life Okay. We really hope you enjoy it.
1: I talked last week, last Sunday, on the gift of wisdom. I saw an amazing little slide. Can you throw up number three there? I said, well, from Paul Manwaring, he's from Bethel, and he said, if you don't have prophetic words that are opposite of your circumstances, then you only have knowledge of what you're already doing. Wow. Do you like that? Yes. But today I'm going to talk about the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. Let's go to some scriptures. Okay. Um, wisdom and knowledge, the word of revelation knowledge is how the Passion translated it. They are sisters. It's a good way to look at it, okay? You can't have one without the other. They're they're a kindred spirit. I I propose that wherever you have wisdom, how many need wisdom? Beautiful. Well, you're here at the right time then. How many need revelation knowledge? Beautiful. Almost a hundred percent participation. I received a uh revelation I've never ever heard in my life before while preparing for this message on revelation knowledge yes. that made me feel good yes. that his mysteries are continuing to unfold just to break it down a little bit um, let's jump over to um, let's go to first Corinthians 12 shall we let's just start there <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians 12 this is where we're taking our knowledge from today. In the Amplified, it says in verse 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, to one is given through the Holy Spirit the power to speak the message of wisdom and another power to express the word of knowledge and understanding So in the Passion Translation is where he says it's the same spirit that gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. Now that the word in the Greek, how many know Jesus didn't speak Greek? Did y'all know that? Um, And he didn't speak King James either, so... (laughs) that that the Greek word, though for word is logos. if you look that up, um, I think I have it somewhere that I did look it up this week. Hold on, I'm going to give it to you. It's brief. It's the mandated order of God. that's what logos means. The Bible is God's logos and Um, it's also the moral um, instruction of God. So when the enemy comes to counterfeit, he always counterfeits the original. Otherwise, it wouldn't hoodwink us so much, would it? And so when you think about How well do you personally know the word of God? That's that's a really important understanding. If if you're we're all maturing, right? We're all at different levels and we should be, you know. That's why God didn't send us to the planet all as 20-year-olds or whatever age, whatever age you want to be. What's your best age? I don't know. Twelve. It wasn't 12, was it? Dang it. But when we were 12, we thought it was the best. But God is, um, the, the word for um, revelation is uh, gnosis, that's in the Greek, and it's the knowledge that signifies general intelligence and understanding. This is in the supernatural, of course. Um, and it's a deeper and more perfect and large knowledge. So that tells me personally that this gift from the Holy Spirit. Remember what the gifts are for. They're for the perfecting of the saints. So, it really helps me to delineate this. If I know someone that's pre-Jesus, right, then if you're going to try to use these gifts of perfection, perfecting, maturing on them, they're, it's not going to work. It's, we do this a lot, especially in Christendom, we forget that God said if, if you're pre-Jesus, then it's the only thing you need is the revelation that you need salvation. And that comes through the drawing. Remember I read it in John or the pulling or the tugging or the dragging, whatever position you need. Were you drugged? How many were drugged? Just drug back to God. How many just came willingly? You're just like you just have need of him. Some of you who doesn't even know how you got here, but just thankful that you know Jesus, right? So, once though we enter through the door of Jesus, why would they call him the door if it wasn't the door to something? You know, I spent most of my childhood getting saved every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? But I thought, man, there's gotta be something else. What are we doing? What are we doing with the salvation? Right. And then I learned that there was an actual assignment by God and that the enemy knew it. I we just watched the nefarious movie the other night. And I thought it was gonna be about deliverance and it wasn't at all, but it was the coolest movie ever, in my opinion. You know, I don't ever promote movies, but it was it was the guy I did a little investigation on the guy that wrote it. And when he wrote it He wrote a book. He wrote a book eight years ago, and he said he was in the shower. He didn't seem to be like a really big-time prophetic guy or anything. He said he was just standing in the shower one day, and he heard this statement that Satan um, identified Lord Farius to take down the morality of America. And then he wrote a book about it. And in the movie, you know, the guys that did God's Not Dead, they were the producers of the movie. They bought the rights to the movie, and... They did. I mean, it's a little creepy, but, you know, it really does identify how Satan uses human beings. And, you know, my belief is that we have all authority. Lynn's shirt is true. There's no weapon formed. So what are the weapons of the enemy? I propose that they're just suggestions in our heads. The war is happening here. And so that's why you need revelation knowledge, right? And so, in in my discovery of this revelation knowledge, I I loved some of the things I found out. I wanted to kind of take you on this little journey with me. Um, when I was when I was studying, I stumbled upon an older message from Brian Simmons. Brian Simmons is the translator of the Bible into. What he calls the passion version. The reason why he called it the passion version is he wrote it as a love story. His one of the very first books I ever read of his, which I highly recommend for anybody that wants to actually have an encounter with God in intimacy, is a book he wrote called The Sacred Journey, and it's the translation or um, of the Song of Songs, uh, Song of Solomon. Anyway. I just stumbled on this this message he was preaching. He was teaching on Revelation. It wasn't even the title of the message. Um, And it was like, I don't even, it had to be the Holy Spirit because it was like hidden in this like four-hour church service. I found this little nugget. But it opened up this new realm, and so I wanted to tell it to you. And I made a little slide for you for us to help us. He said that he had an encounter With God, and God revealed to him this three thousand year old acronym. What's an acronym? Yeah, so so these letters represent a little an acronym, and he called it the Partes. It's Partes, what I was thinking. (laughs) It's going to be a party when you hear it. And it was all about the discovery of the Word of God. And I had never heard this before. And one of the things that he started out with was that we have to get out of our heads. That we have to stop trying to relate to God in our minds. That it's a heart-to-heart connection. And so that's why God speaks so much about the heart. You understand that? And so it's the heart of a person that he's trying to transform by what the renewing of our mind. So if I, if I'm willing to look at something that I'm doing through a different suggestion and how does that happen? That happens through interaction with people. So if you just interact with all the birds of the feather that flock together So you just interact with people that think just like you, that feel just like you, then you'll end up coming into agreement and you don't know if what you're agreeing with is according to the word or not. That's why Jesus and the word has to be the standard. We don't make up a new standard and then see who all we can get to agree with it. You'll find some people. Remember what I said last week that on Wednesday night, yeah, we were talking about all these, I'm sorry, my nose has been itching for days. I'm really sorry. Um, Talking about all these different spirits that develop into strongholds, right? And so when you identify the way that the enemy makes suggestions to you, it should illuminate to you that there's actually an actual truth to be found there. That's just a really good way. I like to look at it. So, Brian was talking about that this, this acronym represented the ways that the Word of God come into revelation for us. So the first one was this word. It's a it's a, a um, Greek word called called peshat, and he said basically it's the plain and simple Word of God. Its it its meaning is to make a word road to carve out a road, carve out a straight line. And he said, this is where the Western church hangs out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he was talking about, you know, I laugh about these guys always reading the Bible, and the hyper-literalists, they, they get stuck in the allegories, right? Do you remember what Jesus said that he, Matthew 13, 34, it says, Whenever Jesus addressed the crowds, he always spoke in allegories. He never spoke without using parables. He never spoke without using parables when he spoke to the crowds. This should be a lesson for us. He did this to fulfill prophecy. I will speak to you in allegories and I will reveal secrets that have been concealed since before the foundation of the world. So what does that tell us? Before the circle was made... Before humans were made, right, there's a mystery of God, right? And so this process of learning more of what are the deeper things in God have to do with this, this, this um, acronym. The second one he talked about was Remez, and he says it's just a hint it's a hint that there's something more. Have you ever been reading the Word? Have you got here yet in your maturity and you're reading the Word and you're like, huh, I wonder if there's more to that. Yeah. Have you ever thought like that? Yeah. And I'm going to give you some examples of this in a minute. So, And so he said, if you ignore that hint, how can we ignore the hint? Yeah. So when you get that little tinge, you're having a remez moment and you go i'll check that out later you just missed i like how he said you just missed a shaft of revelation that was fixing to come down now this is levels again in studying the word this is all available to us why do you think that why do you think he said the western church hangs out on the first level Have you ever met anybody that did, do you know what I'm talking about, that we understand? What's happening there? That's not us, right? That's not us, right? Yeah, we don't hang out there, right? Why? Why do people just hang out there? I, I think there's two reasons. I think one is the enemy has lied to us and made us think that we can't understand the deeper things of God. Anybody ever had that? If you've had that, stand up, I'm going to help you renounce it right now. Just say, I renounce the lie from the enemy that I cannot understand deep things. And I break that off of my mind right now. And I say it is not true. And I say that my mind is meant to understand the ways of God. So I just release you right now from that lie and from the torment of it is tormenting. And I release you into freedom in Jesus name. Amen. Now, the next one, he called it the D-rash. And I'm sure he didn't say it that way, but I just thought it was funny. (laughs) And this is to what he said, get a shovel and dig. Uh, How many love to do that? That's our entire focus for the month of June. You remember our, our scripture for the month of June is, I got it on the first slide, Proverbs 25, 2, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory, but the honor of kings is revealed by how thoroughly they search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, in, it's already been made into your heart, into the heart of the king to keep searching, right? So you're in the derash, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, the last one is called sod, And he made this interesting statement about it that it's the language of God. It's the mystery of God. And he said that he learned the language of God in its pictures because of pictures that paint a thousand words. words. Don't you love it that God has given us the imagination to see and understand his ways through pictures? That's what a dream is. I had some dreams last night. Did anybody dream last night? Beautiful. So in those dreams are pictures. Yes. Now, you can derash it, your dream, and you can get you a little shovel, and you can go digging. And if you go digging into the godly dreams of your life, you'll find revelatory a revelatory dictionary awaits, awaits you there. Yes. Yes. And we have done that. And inside this dictionary are clues and keys to help you understand your life. Otherwise, we just assign it all to bad pizza. (laughs) (laughs) See, part of understanding the greater depths of God is to, first of all, believe that they're there. I think most of us in here believe that there's just more depth in God, right? And so I like to identify, I know for a long time I could not think in a metaphoric way because I was really a black and white thinker. What is, how many are black and white thinkers? So how many don't know if you are a black and white thinker? <laughs> Sorry. What is, give us, Lynn, an example of black and white thinking. Yeah. You're just, everything's just really literal and you just take it at face value and you don't even pursue whether or not there's something else to it. And, and that's what has happened. I propose you that that is what has happened with the Word of God. God intended in the Old Testament even for it to be pursued by, the, by a heart that wanted to know deeper things. So this sod is kind of what I wanted to talk about just a little bit today. Now, I love... Brian, he didn't do this in this message, but, um, there's, if you search out the passion translation, he's actually showed us some examples of sod. So, you know, we wrote a song years ago called in the secret place. And in that, the reason why we wrote that song is because CC had wrote a word and, I wanted to read you part of the the words she wrote in February of 2021 when we wrote this song. She said, "You didn't create this life, this earth, as a faraway experiment of some kind. You didn't relegate us to a faraway world so you could wait and see if we'd return to you. You didn't create us just to see if we could find our way to you from some far off place. You bore us like children." Into a world you promised to fill with your presence, yeah. you planted us like seeds and watched over our growth and development like an infatuated gardener. Yeah. You laid down with us in the soil we were buried in. Sounds like sod. Yeah, yeah. sounds like sod to me. Yeah. So right. So let's talk about some sod, shall we? Yeah. Now, if you turn to John 4, you don't have to turn there. I preach on it a lot. But it's the story in John 4 is about the woman at the well. And I've preached on it a lot. It's really cool story. What is the story? She, I think the Passion Translation even, I mean, uh, the Chosen actually did a th- thing on it, right? It was one of the scenes in that. So anyway, this woman's at the well, and what does he come and say to her? He comes and says, give me a drink. Why did he say that? What's the sod of that moment? Was he thirsty for some natural water? What did he see when he looked at the woman at the well? It's the same thing he sees, thinks when he sees you. That you are the drink for a thirsty Savior. Have you ever thought about that? You are the drink, right? I know we all think we're really thirsty and hungry and starving, but and He becomes a drink for us, clearly. But what is it about a Savior that's looking for a drink from humanity? I I propose to you that it's... Let me read to you a little snippet about it. In the Song of Songs, this is what Jesus says. The one I love calls to me, arise my dearest hurry my darling come away with me i have come as you have asked to draw you to my heart and lead you out what's he leading you out of remember he's setting you up for a drink right for now is the time my beautiful one The season has changed the bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. Don't you love, have you, are you loving this pruning yet? Anyone? Anyone? Remember when we were scared about pruning and now we're like, oh, let's get over there. T- you, get that thing off. Have you, have you, been there yet? Yes. He says, I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny is breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers. There's change in the air. Can you feel it? Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me, for you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. You must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they will raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted with you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? Let's do it together. So what's the troubling foxes? It's whatever, it's what it says, whatever ruins your vineyard of love. You know, the enemy to me is so obvious. I mean, let's just think about COVID. COVID was the great orchestration of Lucifer to separate and hibernate and create mental illness. Mental illness is at an all-time high because of the fear that was entrenched through the media through just COVID. Cece had a dream about it before it ever happened. God revealed it to us. We already knew what was happening Yet still we bowed to all the precepts and all the things that were suggested to us. Do you know that they are. it is being proven that the vaccine has done so much damage in so many lives? Why? Because it was a rush to fix fear. And all all it does, when you rush to fix a problem that you're afraid of and you fix it with fear, I promise you, it'll create another problem for you. Don't act like that you're hearing God and you're doing some big godly thing. I'm sorry, I just have to shoot it to you straight. But don't act like you're hearing from God and you're doing a godly thing when you're actually living in fear. And fear begets after its own kind. So if you do something in fear, you will reap in fear. And, the, and COVID was the, it just was displayed for everyone to see it. If you don't know what the enemy's up to, just go read some stuff about that. That was the display of how he sneakily comes in through suggestions. And I, I see people today still wearing masks. Have we not read enough about, I mean, I went to the eye doctor like the very first, during COVID and he told me this mask thing is dangerous. It is ruining people's eyesight. And I was like, well, does anybody talking about that? He actually knew. See, there's all kinds of other problems that was all created by these things that they said would keep us safe. They were a lie. It's, I'm just saying, you, and this is going to go on in your lifetime. There's going to be another COVID come. I'm not prophesying nothing. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm telling you, if you didn't learn from that one, then you're going to buy into everything they say. And before you know it, you're going to have a whole setup going on that has to do with fear. And God did not give us the spirit of fear. And I'm not going to bow to it. Because I have an assignment. See, everything the enemy does is to take you out of your assignment, even just to distract you. People stopped going to church because of COVID. In California, they couldn't even sing. Singing was the cause of COVID. It took a bunch of people to wake up and go to court to make it change. You think there's not power being wielded by, I mean, if you watch this nefarious movie, you can just see really openly how he, how he does it in such a subtle way. I love the dialogue that the guy that was demon-possessed began to speak, and he began to say all these things. that They touch on abortion, they touch on all kinds of stuff. It's amazing, and if you could just watch it with that mindset, you could say, wow, this is really going. Cool. I was just so thankful to know it was validating. Because I'm like, yeah, I already know all that's going on. i just wish wishing people would wake up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the crazy thing, not to be a spoiler alert, but the crazy thing in the movie was there was someone who came in that was from the church. And the Lord Nefarious, obviously speaking through this prisoner, he knew the guy had no power. So he's like, yeah, come on in. Let's sit down and have a conversation. Because why? The guy with the little checkered white thing over his collar, had no power, zero power. Now, again, I'm not trying to get you to watch the movie, but I mean, unless you want to learn stuff. But <laughs> I mean, well, no, I mean, because we're going to do a deliverance ministry, so it would be helpful to understand how the, the enemy speaks. But I also believe that God is calling us simultaneously to set aside time to to delve into this revelation knowledge because you're going to have to have it yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to have wisdom and revelation knowledge to know what's true and what's a lie yeah, yeah. you just are now i love it in the sacred journey this book i was speaking about he this is his little synopsis of what i just read to you in the song of songs he said every time jesus speaks to the shulamite that's what we are it's with tender love and affection how we wish all of God's servants could follow in our shepherd's example. He calls her his dearest darling. Yet there is hesitancy in her eyes as he peers into her heart. Have you been there where you felt the love of God and he's looking inside of you and you're just like pulling the eve? Let's hide. Let's get some bearskin or something. Right? What are, what are we doing? We're trying to put up a barrier because of what? Shame. Where does shame come from, God? No. Shame came from who? Lucifer. He's still using shame. Yes. Listen, not only is all sickness of the devil, all shame is of the devil. Yeah. Right How many have ever experienced shame? I have never been met a human on earth that hasn't experienced shame. That should tell us something. It's a commonality. It's a common way. If you could just see the common ways the enemy uses to what thwart you from doing your assignment, from getting connected, you your gifts of God operate in connection with a family of God. That's why it says the gifts are to to actually perfect the saints. That's in a family unit of saints, Christians. That's what we are, right? In name only? No. See, him. <laughs> what is it that makes her lovely to him? What is it that makes you lovely to the Savior? Just right now, close your eyes for a second. Let's just do an exercise. Just ask him, what makes me lovely to you? See, that's what you meditate on. You meditate on on what he says about you, not how the enemy comes in and says, you didn't do it right. You messed it up. You got to be a scaredy cat. All those ways. No, he calls you the one thing, the beloved. Yes. I love this. He says, Jesus acknowledge you, acknowledges the virtues that are only budding within you, within her. He never closes his heart off to her. Never God does not define your life by the 10%, 20%, 30% that you hold back from Him. He only defines it by the percentage of your heart that longs for Him continually. You want to grow in hunger for God? You know That was my first step, is that I began almost 30 years ago to just long for His presence. I had to make a lot of changes in my life because I didn't have any room for his presence. I just had room for ruminating and fear. Right? Now, see, it's not about setting a home in your bed. It's about learning to be aware of him no matter where you are. And see, just think about it. If I'm aware of him in my heart and mind, in my daily life, then everything in my daily life would change. I would be the chief problem solver at work. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. I would be the chief problem solver at work. Because yeah. His presence... Oh, y'all didn't even like that. I can tell. Yeah. Are you glad that God defines you by the percentage of your heart that's longing for Him? Do you have any? Maybe you're just 10%. Maybe He's just a sidecar right now. But He defined you by that. Well, there's... There's that girl that wants me as a sidecar. I'll be the sidecar. He wants to be so much more, and he can be so much more, but he's, he defines you by the hunger of your heart. He says your weakness is covered by the torrent of his love. That's how you can live like you can't mess it up. I live like I know I can't mess it up. It's not even really about do I do every single thing right. It's about how well he covers what I don't do well. My awareness, some of y'all are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. He actually covers the parts of us that we don't do well. I can tell you haven't recognized that yet, but he actually does that. Even in your failure, he holds you fast. Listen, if you think anything that you're doing is holding you tied up to Jesus, it's not. It's him. He came and got you. He came and rescued you. He came and healed you. He came and saved you. He came and delivered you. He came. He came. He came. He came. He came. He came. came. He's going to keep coming. He's not going to stop. Did you know he doesn't even stop if you reject him? What a guy. What a God. He calls you his dearest long before you see his beauty forming in your life. Has anybody ever seen something in you that you couldn't see yourself that was really good and golden and beautiful? Anybody? And have they ever said it to you? You know, that I was, gave that word to Melody last week, and Lenny was telling me that in small groups she said a bunch of same things to Melody that I said, you know, only if Len and I had conferred, but we didn't. But the cool part was that Nate told me that on the way to church that morning, little Asher, my Mr. Truth Teller, he said, Dad, how do you spell dough? Now, being real spiritual like Nate was, he went with the cookie dough version. But we know, we know now, right? We know it was a different kind of dough now, don't we? But he knew I love cookie dough, so it's okay. See, that's that I know in part. You know, that's how the spirit flows. You just know a little bit. Right, you do your best with a little bit, and then, he, and then he illuminates. Oh, you didn't really know anything right there. Yeah. And you become okay with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You find humor in the fact, well, I was looking. I just turned over the wrong rock right there. It's okay. It's still truth. Yeah. So he's forming this beauty in your life. It says you are safe with a king like this. See, that's the real answer. Trust got broken in your life. You know it. You know it sucks to not trust. That kind of life is the pits. I've been there. But man, now I live in just complete... I mean, it's just an ache in your heart. How can I get trust back? Who can I trust? Him. Him. When I see everything through His eyes, even people then I can trust what he's doing in people. None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Remember what I said last week? The more you get to know me, the better you're going to have to be at forgiveness. And vice versa. Why? Because we're in process. We're in process. So we're safe with a king like this. Jesus' love is what imparts the strength to arise and come away with him. His fiery love has the power to break off every desire for the world and its artificial pleasures. His love will consume every other ambition and passion. How can we cling to our dust when he bids us to arise? So back to our sod moment in John 4. So he's saying to her, give me a drink. So the sod moment is, well, he's actually talking to us. We're the drink for Jesus. But I love the next thing he says to her. He says, remember, he's telling her his story. You've had five husbands. I love the sod version from the Passion Translation is this. We've all been married to five different husbands. Our five senses. I love it how he says that we've all been married to our five senses in some way or another, that desire within us to what? To crave after something that we see or we smell or we want or whatever, and we've all neglected Jesus. Come on, can we be honest? We've all neglected Jesus and been married to a bunch of other things. See, this life is about you understanding, just like she saying and said today, you are the, the bridegroom, bride, for the bridegroom. The Holy Spirit is the engagement ring. You've got to understand that concept or this life is not going to make any sense to you. You're going to be looking for a human being as a husband or wife to do the thing that only Jesus can do. You know, when I do marriage counseling, the first thing I say is, listen, you have got to get a vision for why you're better together than you are single. Because you cannot forfeit your assignment to be married or to have kids or to have a special job or whatever. You can't forfeit because you will be miserable. It will not reap anything good. You you just... That's why God doesn't really care where we work. He He doesn't really care who we marry. He just wants to make sure he's the beloved. He just wants you to know what your assignment is over relationship, and then your relationships will be better because your assignment will be fulfilled through it. Do we have that messed up? See, we've got to realign, and so he was saying to her that the the deeper revelation of this chapter is in that moment where I realize I'm a drink and I realize I've been married to other things. Now, on the surface level, like where we all have lived, it's still a cool, cool story, but it's not quite as cool as knowing that i could be a drink for jesus that becomes revelation knowledge because when i when i experience that and i hear that and i identify and say that's going to be me i'm i'm going to divorce myself cuz i can divorceness needs one side i divorce myself from those things that have been my pursuit To now pursue the one thing. He says. And Brian says. Our heart can never be satisfied. With what is on this earth. You know that thing that's not working out in your relationships. It's not the person. You just kind of have the person at the wrong trajectory. Man, just think, the higher you get people, the more they fail. Yeah, the more you need people to be something just for you. As if you're the only thing on their minds. The more, the higher they get, the more disappointing they will be. That's the reason for, that we have Divorce. We married someone that we thought if we said it enough ways, if we nagged a little, if we said, well, we're praying for you, if we told them our needs in just the perfect way, then one day they'd be like, I'm all here for you, baby. Everything, everything's about you. When no human has that capacity, Jesus is what you're looking for. And when I counsel with singles, I used to do a singles little thing training, and I'd say, if you haven't learned to marry Jesus, then you don't really deserve to marry anybody else. So all all you married people, you just decide: Did you ever marry Jesus? <laughs> because you're trying to make a boy or a girl be Jesus, and you will be disappointed. I'm sorry. They have not that capacity. Yeah. How many of us just want to be Jesus to everybody? Come on. We just don't even have that ability. No, like that. <laughs> it says, our heart can never be satisfied with what's on ours. We must drink the living water that comes from heaven. That's what satisfies. Yes. See, something about drinking... Remember years ago, no, y'all probably don't, but in my childhood, drinking water wasn't a thing. Like we didn't really even know we were supposed to drink water. And all we had was that nasty tap water anyway. I know it was in the early 1800s. We were outside pumping at the well. <laughs> 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 and we just we didn't drink that. It was nasty. <laughs> I remember where I was sitting the first time I walked into a convenience store and bought a bottle of water. I was with a friend of mine, and she was like, you are going to buy water? That is ridiculous. Again, early 1800s. But but listen, we didn't even know. All the stuff that we come out with That's just so cutting edge to every single thing, and it's life-changing, right? We just, right? We didn't even know that. People were still living. I think they just lived to be about 30. But anyway, I'm sure it was a water. Don't you think it was a water problem? I mean, I'm sure of it. But we can get so hyper-vigilant about one area, one lane that we think we can see that this is just like, it's got to be this way. This is the healthy way. This is the way. This is the God way. This is it. That we miss a whole relational aspect of life. Wasn't it? It was either Peter or Paul that said, it doesn't really matter what you eat or drink. Paul got bit by a snake. That's another story. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it says this. It says, The Spirit gives, I read earlier, The Spirit gives to the one, the gift of word of wisdom to another. The same Spirit gives the gift of the word of knowledge. It says, The gift of the message or the logos of revelation knowledge has been defined as the Holy Spirit's importation through an impression, a vision, a vision, or his voice that gives understanding to a person or situation that cannot be known through the natural mind of man. So this gift, you don't know it. Did you know about sod before you came in here today? So that tells you that every scripture in the Bible has sod. Right? We know this is true. Because when we read something, oftentimes, especially once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and once you begin to speak in tongues, there's something about and I could talk about it. You know, let me talk about it a little bit. So when Jesus came back from the grave and he met with him in the upper room, do you remember what he did? He said, I breathe on you what? The Holy Spirit, right? And then he told them to go get filled with the Holy Spirit. So those were two separate experiences. Yeah. Wow. I propose in the uh, in, in the moment when he came back walked through the wall and he went Pff! right then that was the illumination of salvation right then yeah. you are in need of me. When he said come over to the upper room they had to wait. There's a principle there. Yeah. What's happening in the upper room while they're waiting? What happens to you while you're waiting? Remember, I told that story about Rolly. Remember at the, at the restaurant and he was going to give a million dollars. I don't know. What was it? A hundred dollars? Twenty dollars. I don't remember how much. Twenty dollars. But, but what happened while he was waiting? Uh, fifteen, 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 ten, 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 <laughs> five, five, five. 5. Oh, oh, we don't need to give her anything. Just the waiting. The waiting demonstrated his maturity level. So that tells me God tells me something way before I'm mature enough to handle it and makes me wait so he can mature me to deliver it. Because in the waiting is where I develop revelation knowledge because I seek out something. Now, why did Mimi, the grandma, why did she say, no, we're still going to give it, right? He had another little test yesterday with money. Because why? Mimi, the grandma, is excellent with money. See, when I met her, she was Poe. She had zero money. She had nothing. So someone had to teach her about the proper, we talked about on Wednesday about mammon, right? Proper use. Now what is she? She's an expert. Can get you out of debt, get you a house, a car, whatever you need. This is your girl. But when I met her, she's Poe. She had nothing. She had a car. You could not open the driver's seat. So you had to crawl through to get into the car. She had no house. Her and her three girls, I mean, two girls lived in a 10 by 10 room. They rented from somebody $8 pizzas. Po, 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 po. Po. Right? Not now. Why? Because Revelation knowledge came in transformed her actions, transformed her words, transformed her choices. That is the gift. So he gives us this understanding so that it can exercise. So it says the revelation knowledge is seen in Saul's blindness in Acts 9. And Peter's revelation about Cornelius, remember when he was standing outside the door? And so when, when Peter heard the revelation knowledge about Cornelius, what happened? Ultimately, the whole family got saved. Yes. I, have, I have, for lots of people, lots of y'all, drove to your house and sat outside your house and prayed for you. Why? Because there's revelation knowledge that happens when God comes in. He says, hey, this is the time. Just like, you know, there's other times we pray for people at different times. Why? That revelation knowledge comes in. What's happening? Something is shaking in another kingdom right then in that moment. Now, another sod moment. You want one more? We got got time for one more, don't we? Another sod moment is in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, it says, let's go over there and read it. Matthew 13, verse, um, you know, the whole chapter of 13 is about parables, but let's look at, the, at verse 31. It says, Heaven's kingdom can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field, although it's the smallest of all the seeds It eventually grows into the greatest garden plant, becoming a tree for birds to dwell in. Now, what's another story we know about the mustard seed? It's about the size of faith required to do big things for God. So, here's some sod moment, right? The next little statement he says is, Heaven's kingdom, verse 33, can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into flour and the dough rises. What is yeast? Where's another place we know of yeast in the Bible? A little bit of leaven or yeast. Leavens, the whole bunch. Where, where did Jesus say that? He was talking about the Pharisees. So it's telling us tiny particles of growing items. Mixed in the right atmosphere, produce something. Right? So this is what it says. See if you can see the sod. Come on, come with me. When Jesus addressed the crowds, he spoke in allegory. I speak to you in allegories to reveal secrets. Right? This is what he says, passion. These two parables are about the tiny mustard seed and the tiny amount of yeast. Both teach of God's kingdom having small beginning, but growing until its influence permeates and prevails on the earth. Listen to me. You may be watching the wrong news station, but God is doing this right now. God is pouring out His Spirit over all flesh. It may look like tiny portions to you, but trust me, to me, it's not. I just watched a thing this morning that the OU softball girls, I never watched them. They just won the national championship again. And on ESPN, they all talked about Jesus Christ and how amazing He is, how the entire team joined together as one unit, and they didn't care if they won or lost. And do you know Patty Gasco? I don't know if you know her. You don't know, probably don't know this. I know way too much trivia information about this. But anyway, she has been the coach there for 29 years. And she finally got a group of girls who all agree, who all come unity. And there were like three or four of them, and they are just giving Jesus. I mean, they were talking about this is what's happening. This is, I mean, they are. I can send it to you. But it is amazing. That's what he's saying. This small beginning grows. 29 years. Patty's been waiting. For a team to say that. She's won tons of championships. But when they interviewed you, she said, what they said is enough said. She's been waiting. I've been waiting for 30 years. I've been waiting for 30 years to hear that thing that just went on on the platform today. They actually sang my whole sermon. I hope you can see it. It says... The three measures of flour was nearly two kilos, enough to feed 300 people. What once looked unimpressive rises to impact and feed many. That's the sod in those two tiny little scriptures. That's everywhere. The Bible is full of sod. He laid down... In the soil that He made, He resurrected you up to learn about the hidden secrets that He has hidden in His Word. And let me let me finish this before Are you come and see. This is the last verse I'm going to read, and this is the reason. Second Corinthians 2, 14. Because God makes His grace visible in Christ, who includes us, say Me. me. As partakers of His endless triumph. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're on a team of endless triumph. Yes. Listen to this. Through our yielded. That's enough talking. Through, <laughs> listen, this is my last scripture. Through our yielded lives. Yes. Yielded, 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 yielded. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yielded lives. He spreads the fragrance of knowledge. It's the same same word of God everywhere we go. See that's why the gift has to be acknowledged and perfected and you've got to get some sod in your life. you got to get some deep deep di- digging deep and deep and deep. We have become verse 15, we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of Jesus. So when someone sees you and you're all down in the dumps and you're like, Jesus is good. They're like, I don't want your Jesus. When your dog just died and you come in going, that's all right. There's another dog on the horizon. Then they're like, what do they got? Even their dead dog can't hurt them. We've become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of Jesus a perfume of life to those being saved and an odor of death to those perishing. Again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why you want to be on this team. You want to be on the Jesus team because all the gifts of the Spirit get poured out on you to perfect you. And he said that he will watch over it He's watching over it. I know you think he's not, cause you got offended yesterday and you got your feelings hurt, but he's watching over that. He's like, it's okay. That's all right. I'm gonna watch over that because I'm trying to make you perfume to the world. Come on, Middle. <laughs> wow. It's
0: like not your like your favorite message ever. Oh, it's hard around here though, because every service is your next favorite. Well, this is one of those services that it is unbelievable how much Papa's heart has been expressed the whole time without any of us coordinating it. You know, I mean, from Tessa's word to worship, what we let out in to Tessa's message. And without Tisa and I talking, I had an encounter and had wrote a word yesterday that I want to read to you from Papa's heart. And it all goes together. And I'm just telling you, I needed to tell you. None of it was planned so that you can drink fully of what the Holy Spirit has been pouring out in this service. So speaking of the worship, though, I wanted to share a couple of things that I heard the Holy Spirit say um, during worship. And, you know, we sang that part about, I'm at the end there, I'm yours, your beloved one, loved, pursued, cherished by the Holy One. And I heard the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Papa, saying, I am yours, I am yours, and I'll love you. I'll love, pursue, and cherish you as a holy one. I am yours. He responds so quickly to us. He says, I am yours, and I will love, pursue, and cherish you as a holy one. When we sang um, glory looks good on you, God, something like that, he had a, he, he wanted to do another little part at some point after Tessa read her word, and we declared that freedom over ourselves. And he was saying, freedom looks good on you. Freedom looks good on you. So just like um, Shudi declared today, this was a divine duet that we had during worship. There was back and forth with him the entire time. And so, um, I, you know, I've been personally pressing into uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I had uh, not too long ago that I had been blocking some of my um, nourishment from him in terms of out of self-protection and different things. And so I've been deliberately pressing into this and into how to receive his love, how to receive the nourishment of his love. And without even looking specifically for it, I saw in John 15 In verse 9, it says, I love, Jesus is speaking, he says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your heart. Like right there, it just jumped off the page at me. Right, I have not been letting you nourish my heart. And it goes on to say that if you keep my commands, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands Jesus is speaking again. He says, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. So Jesus, of course, is modeling for us this connection with the Father and this need to be nourished by his love, this need to know the love of the Father over, over us. And I love that in this at this particular time, um, the Father's heart is being poured out overall of mankind in a brand new way where he is expressing this love for his children um, in a very so many expressive ways and so i i started asking um, him yesterday like well what is it that i'm not seeing today what is it that i'm needing to see about um this love that you have for me help me feel and uh, tangibly experience a greater level of security in the love that you have for me. And so he gave me this word, and I want to read it over you. And it happens to also be a sod word. Wow. So yeah. there it is, all about pictures. And I love when he talks like this because of the power of a picture. And so I just hope that as I'm reading it, you will literally picture what I'm saying because he's in that picture just as she so beautifully expressed and powerfully expressed today. as a picture lives in your memory in a different way as picture continues to speak to you in a different way than just a verbal word, you know? So I'm going to read this over you and, and let you hear the father's heart. He said, daughter, son, I planted you like a seed into eternity. Again, Didn't know Tisa was going to read that other word today from back in 21. None of this was coordinated. This is on Papa God's heart for us, okay? Daughter, son, I planted you like a seed into eternity. Carefully chosen, delicately woven, I created your life. Your life, specifically yours. I chose every strand of thread and its color, weaving you in a -a one-of-a-kind, unique order. I looked over the landscape of time and tenderly planted you as my lovely design. I foresaw the beauty that would blossom within you, the light that would shine through you, the love that would paint the world around you. I saw each drop of rain that would soak you, each ray of sunlight that would nourish you. I inhaled my love for you and personally released my breath into you. Yes, daughter, son, each breath you take carries the perfume of my love for you. From the beginning, from before your life began to be defined by those around you, I marked you with the scent of heaven. I marked you from deep within me, from the depths of my passion, you arose, from the depths of my love, from the center of my being, you entered this life. Human understanding of time limits your understanding of my devoted and concentrated focus. Yes, I hold the world in the palm of my hand. Yes, I see all of humanity and the spinning of every planet at the same time. But don't underestimate my ability to give my all to a single heart, a single soul, and a single moment. I am intimately connected to you, to each of my children. I am uniquely tied to each one. The beat of my heart has a specific rhythm carried in the body in which you are living. I feel it all. I feel every emotion. I feel the impact of your every thought. I feel the effect of every glance given and taken. Daughter, son, I am tangibly connected to every aspect of your existence. The supernatural thread of your design is still connected to me. I never let go. I never cut the ties. I chose to experience every aspect of your life with you. I never left you, not for a moment, not for a second, not for any measure of distance, space, or time. It was only your awareness of my nearness that was severed. Your resurrection life connects your spiritual eyes to see me once again, to know me, to feel me, to learn of the countless ways I love and adore you. You have always been mine. I have never left your side. There was never a time when you weren't mine in my own eyes. This thread that connects us cannot be broken. You have always been and will always be mine. So when the enemy comes near with his bated breath, seeking to plant poison in the soil of your heart, just remember the nearness of your own breath, that you cannot be separated from it, that it carries the scent of heaven the aroma of the very love that bore your existence. No lie, no evil, no force in existence can separate you from your origin. I am yours and you are mine. Now I had a response to Papa that I want to read over you as a prayer to close this out today. I just pray that you'll partner your heart with it as I do. I said, Papa, I love to hear your expressions of passion and devotion to me. They fill a place in my heart that for so long operated with orphan thinking. The striving has left me parched, desperate for a taste of your liquid love. I must have it. I must know it. I must drink so deeply of it that I'm swimming in it. My awareness of your love has been deficient at best. I have been starved without it, bloated with the lesser way of survival. I am miserable in this ignorant existence. I must, I must know the depths. Of your present day love for me. I must walk with this intimacy in mind. Help me, Holy Spirit, to be forever aware of this tangible connection with the author and creator of all things, my Abba Adonai. Help me, Holy Spirit, to always speak with the taste of his passionate love on my tongue, to take every breath fully aware of his aroma, to live submerged in the oxygen of heaven, to surround every thought with the knowledge of his nearness, to perceive all things through the truth of our co-experience. Yes, I am tied forever tethered to Adonai. I am loved and tenderly cared for in every moment by the one who chose me from the beginning and knitted me from his own existence. He feels what I feel. He senses it all. There is no moment I am alone. There is no such thing as abandonment between he and I. I am loved by the one who is loved. I am forever tethered to this love. I have an original belonging that will forever be the source and strength and definition of my identity. I am love's daughter. I am love's son. So Papa God, Abba, Adonai, I love having new nicknames for you, new ways to express my passionate connection with you, my passionate love for you, and your passionate connection with me and love for me. I thank you for the sod. I thank you that for all of time, for all of history, you have been planting these pictures for us to discover and encounter so that we can know a greater depth of your love for us. Papa, today we say we need it. We need it. We need your love. We need to be fully aware of your love. We need sod-type pictures all the time to help us really live from the reality that we are seated in heavenly places, that we have a, a Father who loves us dearly, that we are not orphans, but we are princes and princesses. We are kings and priests. So Papa, I just ask you today, Holy Spirit, I ask you today, Jesus, I ask you today that your love would be made more real to each person hearing this message today, that it would be a personal encounter for them, not just a service, not just a message, not just a song, not just a word, but a personal encounter with a brand new, greater depth of your love for them. I pray that you would give them dreams, that you would give them visions, that you would show them pictures, that you would plant seeds of thoughts in their mind that would develop and draw them with curiosity into greater depths of understanding with you. I say, let it be so. Let it be so. Let it be so. Jesus, we're crying out for this today. Holy Spirit, we're crying out for this today. Papa, we're crying out for this today. This is no small matter to us. We recognize our need for you. We recognize that we are lost without this, that we are desperate to know the fullness of your love for us. So we're asking, just as your word says, that we can ask and we can keep on asking, and our joy will be limitless. Our joy will be limitless because of the love of the Father that we are fully aware of. Our joy will be limitless. So we tether our faith to that today. The words spoken by Jesus when he walked this earth, that our joy will be limitless because of what we're asking today and what we will continue asking from you every single day. So we say thank you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Papa God, we love you. It's in your mighty, mighty Son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.